Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezat Hashem, we'll be beginning the third parak, uh, Maseches Kiddushin, which is Daphne and Tess in Maseches Kiddushin. Actually, the third parak begins on Nunches Amar Aleph. As always, uh, we learn Lilo Nishmas of Chaim Zev, Malinowitz Atzal. And of course, in these trying times, uh, we learn for right the Zchus of all Achenu Kobeis Yisrael, in Israel and everywhere are affected by the current situation in Eretz Israel. The our local rabbanim and rabbanim all over town have said, and all over the world say, two things that we do, Barry. We replace the sinas chinam and lashon hara with avas chinam, and of course, recommit our efforts to Torah and mitzvahs to the best we can. I actually believe that um, I was in Israel at the time, Barry. It was like. Siren boom, siren boom, siren boom, nonstop. The fact that we got out was very weird. And I honestly and truly believe that it was in the schos of Barry and Andrew that, uh, that, I, came, that I came back uh, to do it. So that's what we're here for, Barry. Let's, let's start with the Mishnah on Anchesim and Beis. Okay, and that's schos. We could do our small part. Okay, this is not Avas Chinam. This sounds like a bad idea. Sounds like a reprehensible act, but the, the Mishnah says that if a person asks his friend, notice it says chaver, not a, it doesn't say a like hired right custodian or shliach or anything like that, but somebody asks his friend to be makadish a woman for him. So right, he could do that. He could say I'm. He turns into a shliach in that context. However, when he meets the woman, he says, "Wait a minute, I think she's more for me." And he's Mekadoshah herself. Does the Kedushin work? Yes. Mekudoshah Shlashani says in the Mishnah. The Kedushin work. Works, as we will see. This is uh, in the Gemara. This is a reprehensible act. You're not supposed to do the roommate bait and switch. But it works halachically. And we'll discuss that. Okay. Then, similarly, says the Mishnah. So the classic, we've already learned Meseches Gittin Baruch Hashem, and we've already learned first two parts of Meseches Kiddush, and we know that one could be Mekadosh with a Tanai, that the Kiddush takes effect after 30 days. However, you know, that's a precarious thing, because So let's say somebody else is more on the spot, and within that 30-day span, before the Kiddush of the first person takes effect, he's Mekadosh or Mekadosh Lashani. So... Right, In other words, the person who came and pulled through with the Kiddushan with a full send, actually, and uh, the second man who came in during the 30 days and said, let's get married now, she's Mikudesh's to him. So much so that the Mishnah points out, if let's say she was a Basisrael and the second person who came and was Mikudesh was a Kohen, the women can eat Truma. As we know, the Basisrael, once she's Mikudesh's to her Kohen, can eat truma mi'ikar hadin. We already discussed Simphon and other reasons why, right? There may be a Durabanan reason why we don't want her to eat truma unless until Nisuin, right? Right? Because what if she's Mikudeshis and living in her parents' home and right, they're all Israelim and she's got her truma sandwich and she goes to the bathroom and the brother sees the delicious sandwich and he can't resist. So we have reasons Midarabanan to not allow it. But Mi'ikar Adin, she is Betrothed to the second man, right? Midar Raisa. Okay. Is the case of Hariyat Mikudesh's Lilach Shloshimel very obvious? He says specifically, I'm going to be married to her after 30 days. And it's, it's not the 30 day period yet. So okay. Mikudesh is a shame, is, is so pushed, is it not? So Barry asks u
he says, why do we even need to ask the Mishnah? Why does the Mishnah need to, t- uh, to teach us a case where a man says, become Mikudeshus to me after 30 days? Why do we have to, why is there any reason to think that the first one would be Mukudishtar. After all, he set a time lapse on this Kiddushin, and he himself stated that nothing's going to happen until after 30 days. And so, of course, the second person who came within the 30-day period, is, uh, she's Mikudesha to the second person. The first person explicitly said that he has no, sh- no connection to this woman for the first 30 days. So what is the Mishnah even teaching us? This is obvious. So it's an excellent question, Barry. And the answer requires some lumdus, which we will, God willing, tease out today. But the case, you have to understand, is one where he gave her the money, meaning the first person gave her already the money. So there was a halachic transactional act, what we will call a maisa. Okay, this goes back to Rabbi Rabbarak Safar Shlita from Evaseret, who talks about the following components of a halachic act. There's something called pu'ula. That's like the physical action. Okay, the physical action with no halachic consequence, right? Which, again, I'm not, it's, it's, uh, be honest to get into all the lumdus of this, but there's a physical action that takes place, and then there's the halachic consequence. Sometimes the two can take, can span over a long, like a maisa, which we call a maisa, is really not just a physical action, right? Maisa sounds like just a physical action, but it's not. What we call a ma'aseh in, the Gemara and in Halacha is a physical action that's accompanied with some halachic consequence, we'll call it. Okay, so now you have a question, Barry. When a man gives a woman money and says, even if he sets a stipulation for 30 days down the road, there is some form of Misa that might have been initiated, right? Because after all, the Pa'ula was certainly there. In other words, the handing over the money happened. The intent to be Makadashar happened. So something happened. So one could say, Barry's saying, no, you push the whole thing to 30 days from now, it's as if nothing happened. But maybe that's not the case. Maybe what's really happening is a 30-day-long maizikidushin, as it were, right? A 30-day-long span where he's, yes, saying that there is a sort of trigger time lapse in 30 days from now where it's completed, but you can't say that it wasn't initiated on the very first day of those 30 days, because after all, money took place, Haret Mekudesh was said, right? So maybe all he's doing is a 30 day long Maisikidushin that starts from the first day and extends all the way to the second. And it's for that reason the Mishnah has to give you the Chiddush that, that even there, when a person says now, a second person comes in within the 30 days, he can undo that entire process, okay? That's, uh, that's the, the way we will understand it for now. Okay. Now, that is in contrast with the next case of the Mishnah, which says, Now you're stuck. Because now the first person who is Mekadosh the woman actually said something very um, contradictory. He says, now and in 30 days. What does that even mean, Barry? Well, the Gemara will go into a three-way machlokas as to what that could mean. But that's certainly, right... Uh, that's certainly going to be a case where the Gemara says, Now, the rabbis really have to break their heads over what to do. Because this person, what did he mean when he said now and after 30 days? So, if they don't know. Says the Gemara, which Rashi explains, right? The first Rashi in our Mishnah. She is kind of married to both. There's a suffix here. The Asura Lishneim. And therefore, she's going to be Asura to both of them. Because obviously, you can only be Mikudesh, a woman can only be Mikudesh to one man. 
Now one of them is going to have to give a get if she wants to marry the other. And if there's going to be a third party here, Asura Achit Nishneim get. And they both have to give a get. And the Gemara, as Rashi explains, is going to get into this lumdus and, and the whole mechanics of it. But be that as it may, right, what's clear is that by saying this sort of ambiguous thing of now and in 30 days, he's re- and then another guy gets involved within those 30 days, she is in a state, she's in a real pickle. She's in a state where she's going to need to get because we don't really know who she belongs to at this point. Okay, which the Mishnah emphasizes by, again, having our litmus test of the truma, where the Mishnah ends by saying, Bas Yisrael, a coin, a Bas coin, Yisrael, right? Whether she's a Bas Yisrael who was Mikudeshis to a coin, or she was a Bas coin who normally can eat truma, but for the fact that she was, right, Mikudeshis to Yisrael, as we know, if a Bas coin who's Mikudeshis to Yisrael relinquishes her rights to eat truma, because she's considered to take on, right, the uh, characteristics of her husband, Lo tochal betruma. Well, regardless of whether she started as a Bas Yisrael and was betrothed to a coin, or a Bas coin and was Mikudeshis to Yisrael, out of a suffix, we're going to hold off on the truma for now. Which is to say, right, she's kind of tied to both, and this needs to be resolved, as, as Rashi explained. Okay. So now that we get to the Gemara. Amal Chavir Tseva Kadesh. Tana. Mashas Osoi El Shanogbo Minhagoramos. There's a Tana who said that this idea, when, a, when somebody asks his buddy to Mikudesh his woman, to Mikadosh a woman for him, and that buddy, when he meets the woman, decides that he likes her better for himself, that works. As our Mishnah said, right, the act of the friend works, and he, in fact, is now going to be Mikudosh to her. However, he did not act correctly. That was a deceitful, despicable act. And, says the Gemara, so that's, Atana said that. Says the Gemara, that actually is consistent. That should be the same Tana as our Mishnah. Why? Because says our Mishnah says, Halach, right? It says, A person says, Go marry to a woman. That's how our Mishnah starts. And then it says, Vehalach bekitshavatsma. It says, The Lashon Halicha. Rabbi, Rabbi Sachs Shlita, Rabbi Yonason Sachs in Pesach, always, um, when he says something, he says, He went ahead and did this. Okay, so he went ahead. Halach. Why did, why did he have to say, Halach? It didn't need to say that word. It could have just said V'kid Shalatzma. We get what's going on. Why did he say the word Halach? Says the Gemara, Halach Nami, the Ketani, Halach Beramos. Halach is an indication that there was some sort of straying here. He strayed off into a way of deceitful ways that's reproachable. <coughs> okay. So now, the Gemara asks, is that really true that that's reprehensible? Maishna Hachi, the Ketani, Omer Chavero. Also, why in our Mishnah, right, we said Omer Lechaver. Why are we talking about a case of a buddy in our Mishnah? Mishnah Hasam. Hasam is in Daf Nun that we learned a week and a half ago. Tektani HaOmer Lishlucho. Right? In that case, that was a, what was the case in Daf Nun? You might recall, Barry. Um, he, said, he sets up a Shliach and he sets up a specified place. Right? He says, go, go, re, he says uh, a Shliach and he says, you have to go and, right, uh, pick up and, and be Mekadosh the woman in a very specific place. Well, we had a Shiloh over there in that specific place. In that, in that particular halacha, we said, what is he doing? He's just giving them like uh, directions, like GPS advice? Or is he, or is the shlichas only valid in that place? Right? That, that was an interesting question. So the Gemara says, well, hacha revusa kamash malan revusa kamash malan. And, and the part that's, that the Gemara is asking about is in that Mishnah it uses the case of Haomer Lishlucho, right? Mishnah Hasam is we arrive at the New Testament Alf Diktani Haomer Lishlucho. So in the case of Daphnun, he's called a Shaliach. In the our case, in Anches, 
he's called a chaver. So what's the difference between shleach and a chaver? So that's what the Gemara now says. Each Mishnah is actually going to teach you now a revusa, a chiddush, right? Something that's adding by using either the word shleach or chaver as follows. Says the Gemara, hacha revusa kamashmalan here, we're learning something extra by the word chaver. Vahasam revusa kamashmalan in there, in that case, in dafnun, we're learning something extra by using the word shleach as follows. Says the Gemara, hacha revusa kamashmalan de itana Here in our case, we say chaver, because if we would have said that a person sends a shleach, hava mina shlucho de haver amai, why? Because after all, we're saying from the word halach in our Mishnah that this is a despicable act. Well, if we had used the word shliach, then obviously it would be a despicable act. The sam chadaite, because after all, when somebody sends a shliach, savar avadli shlichusi, right? You're sending him a shliach if it's a more formal shlichus, then certainly it's despicable for the shliach to not do the shlichus. You ask the agent to do something for you. Right? And you trusted that shaliach to do his shlichus, and he betrayed you. So, of course, that's despicable. The only thing that he had going for him was that shlichus. But when you send your buddy, Barry, that's the way of the world. You may not even go so far as to say that that is a despicable act for the friend to decide that he likes her better. Right? Because after all, maybe that's too much to expect of him, right? All you, you didn't make a formal request. You just said to your buddy, hey, can you be Makadashar? You sure have to understand how the world works, Barry. You know, maybe the, maybe the buddy uh, is entitled to, to say, hey, um, I met her, and we both decided it was better for us to get married as opposed to you. That's what a buddy does, right? It's not a formal shlichus. A shlichus has one job, which is to do his shlichus. A buddy... You know, he can use his own judgment whether he thinks he's better suited for the girl. That's what you might have thought. That's why the Mishnah is specifically using the word halach and using the word buddy to teach you that even when a buddy does that, it's not cool. Okay? <laughs> That's what it means. That the Kiddush is that even in that case of a buddy, it's despicable. Okay? Why does Mishnah use in the earlier case in Dafnun, actually, Achasim Revusa Kamashmalan as follows. The E. Because if we would have said buddy in that case, Don't forget, the halacha over there in Dafnun was that if he's Mekadashar in any place other than the place that was specified, he told her to get married to, to be Mekadashar in Baltimore, and he's Mekadashar in Silver Spring. So the halacha is it doesn't work. Well, if it had said buddy, right, the Savar de Lotarach. So then you may not have learned as much. You might have thought that if it's a buddy and it's a casual shlichus, so to speak, just with a buddy, then what's going on here? Again, what effectuates the kiddushin is the das of the sender, right? The person is sending either a buddy or shliach. So when he sends a buddy, it's assumed that if he tells him, let's say he's in New York, he tells him, go be Makadashar in Baltimore. It's assumed that he only has the das for him to go as far as Baltimore, because it's a really big ask for him to go the extra 45 minutes to Silver Spring, right? And therefore, it never would have occurred to him that his buddy would go the extra mile. And therefore, it is for that reason that in Dafnun, the condition wouldn't work. Because it doesn't have, right, the intent of the original shaliach, of the intent of the original, right, shaliach, as it were, the original person who sent his buddy, it did not intend, did never occur to him that he would betroth her in Silver Spring. It he only occurred to him to betroth her in, right, um, Baltimore. So when the guy betrothed her in, in Silver Spring, it's like out of the jurisdiction and the consciousness of the original sender of the shliach. But that, you might have thought, only applies to a buddy, because a buddy, it's only casual. He's not going to go the extra 45 minutes. But when you send a shliach, 
right? You pay the guy 200 bucks to go do it, so now he's got to take it seriously. Maybe you'd expect, in the case of Shlichus, that it would work, even though you sent him to be Makashar in Baltimore. If he found out that she happens to be in Silver Spring and it went the extra mile, you might thought that it would work, that it is the, in the intent of the original sender that to be Makashar even within like a certain radius of a couple of hours drive from where he originally intended. Says the Gemara, right, you might have thought, that when he told in Baltimore, he just meant the general Baltimore, Silver Spring, Washington, Virginia, uh, Maryland area. Okay. Right. Like um, I used to work in a dental office in Borough Park and they, uh, they asked me where your in-laws live. And I said, they live in Silver Spring. They said, oh yeah, I know that place well. That's in Baltimore. Right, so you may have had that kind of, uh, you may have uh, had that kind of um, uh, mindset where anything within that greater area for Shliach should be uh, within his uh, power to do, and the, and the condition would work. Kamash Malan, however, that's why the Tana informs us in the Mishnah and Dafnun that even there by a Shaliach it doesn't work. And that's why we use the Lashon of Shaliach and Dafnun that it has to be specifically that the Shaliach goes to the place that you specified. Anywhere else the condition does not work. And here in our case of it uses a Chaver that even though it's a casual thing and the Chaver typically can do the roommate switch, it's happened, uh, it's still a reprehensible act. Okay. Let's learn stories to that effect now. What are we talking about when we say it's reprehensible to be taught to do one thing, to be asked to do one thing and do another? As follows. Ravin Chasida, Chasida went to a certain place. He wanted to make Kaddish somebody for his son. And Kitchel Nafshe, unbelievable. Ravin Chasida was Mikadosh to himself when he met the girl. Wow. That's weird. To step in front of your own son, huh? Says the Gemara. Yeah, but we learned the piece of Tanaic literature here that said that that's terrible behavior. So what are you going to say? That Rabin Hasida's name, Hasid, was like an ironic name? That he was actually not a good dude? Says the Gemara, no, no, no. You have to understand the context. Rabin Hasida showed up, and they wouldn't, and it, to betroth the girl to his son, and they would not allow that to happen. They were not interested in his son. They were interested in him. So he never really took her from his son. She was never really on the table for his son. She wasn't eligible. He says, yeah, okay, but he But, you know, it's still a bad look, right? There should at least be a conversation where he notifies his son of such thing. You can't just show up and say, uh, remember that girl that I went to get for you? She's mom now. That's weird, says the Gemara. Savar adhachi v'hachi. Yeah, you know, everything has like a risk-reward-cost-benefit ratio. Like, he could have been a mensch and gone and explained this to his son before marrying her, but guess what? She was a real catch. And if he was going to take the time, he couldn't spare that time. If he was going to take the time to explain to his son what was going on, she would have married someone else. You can't take that chance, Barry. At least now you have her in the family. Weird, right? Fifteen lines down, another story. But at least it explains it, right? It explains his behavior. He needed to get married to her, and he didn't have a chance. He would have told his son, but that wasn't. But he wasn't taking her from his son. His son was never really eligible. Okay. So this is in a monetary case, out of Kedushin. Rabbi Barachana gave some money to Rav to make an investment for him. So Amar Zavnei Halil Hayahari. He said, "Go buy a certain land for me." So also Zavnei Rav shows up and buys it with his own money, as the Ron explains for himself. Okay, says Gemara, Can you do that, right? Is this not analogous to marrying a woman for yourself, right? It's not a great behavior. 
So how did Rav, right, justify buying the land for himself? Says the Gemara, Bagada Yeah, it was a very powerful uh, men who were in charge of that real estate. Rav Nagi the Rav Nagi in other words, it's interesting. Rav was the emissary for Rav Baruchanan, but Rav was really the more respected, respected person in, in that community. And therefore, they treated Rav with more respect. They would only have sold it to Rav. They would never have sold it to Rav Baruchanan. So really, Rav wasn't taking it from Rav Baruchanan. He was, in fact, right, just taking what was available. Rav Baruchanan was never in the equation. So says the Gemara, similarly, So again, isn't that a conversation that you should have before you show up and say, yeah, remember that land you told me to buy it for you? It's mine now. So the Gemara, again, similarly, like in the previous Gemaras, it applies to the monetary case as well. Rav was, uh, was concerned. This was a great property. Somebody else was going to take it, and so he had to take it for himself. Okay? Another story. Of Gidol was like under a contract. He was like in, in negotiations over a certain property. Rabbi Abba comes and buys it, right? He's going into contract. In, in this case, like, it's kind of like under contract, but he goes and now it's closing. And they do the closing uh, while the other guy's under contract. Wow. Also, if Giddle copied the Rebbe Zera. If Giddle was like, what? I was under contract. They already agreed to, to do the sale. So he doesn't uh, go to Rebbe Abba, right, directly. He complains to the rabbi, Rebbe Zera. Rebbe Zera doesn't want to touch it. Also, Rebbe Zera, Rebbe Nafcha. He goes to Rebbe Nafcha. He goes to the rabbi's rabbi, Right, he says, I, I don't know what to do with Rabbi Abba. This is unbelievable. He took Rav Gidel's land. So Amalei, so Rav Yitzchak said to Rabbi Zera, Let's wait till Rabbi Abba, who took the land, comes for the next Alila Regal. These, these people are obviously in Eretz Yisrael. They're going to wait till he's Ola Regal, and we'll sort it out. We'll ask him what the story. So when Rabbi Abba arrived at for Alila Regal, Rabbi found him, and he said, Ani Let's, he asks him a halachic shayla. This is how you approach somebody uh, gently, Geronowitz. It's a, it's a Geronowitz Musser moment. He doesn't like just confront him in, right between the eyes. He asks him like a halachic right analogy. This is similar to what we, um, right, when, when Nassan, right approached David Melech and he asks him about the single lemela, right, what, you know, when, with the, uh, when, when, um, when David Amalek sent Batsheva's husband to uh, the front lines. So, so he says, What would you say is the halacha when you see a ani rummaging through the garbage for a sandwich and then some, some rich guy on his lunch break, right, sees the sandwich and just grabs it before the ani gets to it and starts eating it. What would you say about such a person? Huh. But you know what? That is despicable behavior. You can go buy his own sandwich. I'm a lay, Rabbi Abba. So Rabbi Abba, who took the land, right, that was already under contract and went to closing, right, says, Nikar Russia. He says, of course, the rich guy in his lunch break is called a Russia. A Russia. You, take, you don't take a man's lunch. You know, this is a poor man rummaging through the garbage for lunch. You don't take his lunch. That's vicious. That's awful behavior. So now comes in with the punchline. So why did you yourself do this? Why did you take the land that was under negotiation with Gidel? So Amalei, so Rebbe said, What do you mean? I didn't know it was under contract. Nobody told me. I just went to, to buy a house. I had no idea it was under negotiations or contract. And I went to closing right on the spot. Had I known, I never would have done so. Oh. So Hashanami, Nisvalei Nalimar. 
So Rabbi Yitzchak Nafcha presumed, I mean, Rabbi Abba would never do this kind of behavior. So now that he got to the bottom of what really happened, he said, okay, so now give it to Rav Gittel. He was on the contract, give it to him. So Amr Leis, so Rabbi Abba said, I don't know if I could do that. I can't really sell it to him because it's an interesting idea that the first piece of land that you ever acquired, it's a bad sign to sell it off. So he doesn't want to do it. So it's a musr. He doesn't want to do it. But of course he's a tzaddik, right? So you know what? I can't sell it to him because that's bad luck, but I'll give it to him. Unbelievable, right, Barry? Can you imagine? So... Meanwhile, Rav Gidl himself was no slouch. Rav Gidl, Rav Gidl didn't want to accept it as a gift. How do you like that? Quoting the famous Pasuk in Mishle, you should not want to gifts. You should hate gifts. Well, who he hates gifts lives because after all, he shouldn't want anything for free. He should only be working for it. So Rav Abba lo Rav Gidl. So Rav Abba never went, never, you know, he bought the property but never went and got anything out of it because really... Rav Gidl, he felt like it was like a disrespect to Rav Gidl. So Rav Gidl didn't uh, possess it. Rabbi Abba didn't possess it. Nobody, and they both, right? One didn't want to accept the gift. The other one didn't want, didn't want to sell it. Didn't want to accept the money for it. So, they turned it into a shtibel. <laughs> okay, right? In other words, this was a beautiful shtibel. Avakshay Emes, like a Eisenstein Shul or something. It's a good, I can think of a good name for that shtibel, right? Because both of them didn't want to accept the money after having been in that awkward situation. Beautiful idea. Turn it into a shul, base matters, beautiful. Six lines up from the Y2 dots. Okay, back into Kiddushin here. So he says, after 30 days, and another guy comes in 30 days. This is where Barry thought it's unbelievable to think that the first guy would ever be married to her. Says the Gemara. Okay, well now we're getting down to it, Barry. What would you say if nobody else came? Okay, so again, a guy says, gives her the money, says, but in 30 days. So would you say she's, when it, is this going to really work? Is she going to be truly Mikudeshes after 30 days, says the Gemara? Rav Shmuel both said, you know, they argued about a lot of things, but not about this. this they both agreed that she's Mikudeshes, and here's the Chiddush, that even though the money no longer remains, you see, even she already spent the money, the completion of the Maisa Kiddushin, as we described, right, still takes place without the money present. Right, you might have thought you need to have the money, the action of giving the money, the Harei Atme Kiddushas, and the time-bound stipulation all in one spot. No. You take it as one long Maisa Kiddushin, the money has already been given, and the condition will be hot later. My timer, how does this work? Because, honey, Zuze, this money that he gave her when he says, Arami Kadeshisli, Lola Milva Damu, Lola Picadan Damu. If he had given it as a loan, it would not have worked. If he gave it as a collateral, it also wouldn't work. But this money is neither a loan nor a collateral. How so? Says the Gemara. Lipicadan Lodamu. It's not like a collateral because Picadan Bishus of the Marka Mitakli. Because after all, Picadan is always considered to be what? In the, in the owner's rishos. Again, the Baal is Mikadashar. If he gave it to her simply as a collateral, so then he's really always retaining the money. So that's not how Kiddushin works. Kiddushin works, he has to give the money to her. Okay, so clearly if he gave it to her just as collateral, that wouldn't work. Okay. Because after all, says the Gemara, these coins are never really belong to him. 
they're consumed, right? Mitakli means they become consumed while they're in the possession of the woman, which is another way of saying she really truly possesses the money. He says, Aras Mikudeshisli, and he really gives her the money, not as a collateral. He's giving it to her. Okay, fine. So would you say it's like a loan? No, says the Gemara. It's also not like a loan either, because Milva Lahotsa Nisna. Because a loan is given to a borrower to spend it and then return other money. Honey, but Taurus Kiddushin Yavvina lay. Here, this money is not a loan, even if she does spend it. She first acquired it and absorbed it, and it's hers, right? So she really, truly got it. She doesn't have to return anything. In other words, that money went towards her betrothal, not towards anything else. She's not giving it back. So because the money is neither like a loan nor like a collateral, and because it's like neither of those, it means that it really truly belongs to the woman. So then when it was given, it was like, so to speak, absorbed by her. That actual Nasina of money really works and takes effect even though the money is already not physically present in front of us. That does take effect when the 30 days arrives and the woman is indeed Mekudeshes. Okay. Now, that's the Gemara. Okay. <clears throat> so a woman can be Mekudeshes in this way with a 30-day timestamp. But Loba Acher Vekitsha Bechazraba what if in the 30 days, right, let's say, forget about a second person stepping in. Nobody stepped in. It's just this woman and this man, they're bashert. But what if she t- t- changes her mind within the 30 days? Mahu, what would you say to the lacha then? Is the original condition valid, right? Or do, you, or do you say that the condition is void? Says the Gemara, there, there's machlokas of Yochanan and Lakish. Yochanan and Machoseres, right? Yochanan says that she can, in fact, retract. Why? Because asi dibur umevatil dibur fundamental idea. The woman's original uh, acquiescence to become betrothed was verbal and she is now, has the power to take whatever her words are and to take the words back. You can take your words back, Barry. Rishlakish holds, no, once she committed verbally, that something binding happened at the initial consent and you can no longer undo it. So now we're going to spend the rest of the Gemara uh, kicking around who's right here. Can, can a verbal right, uh, commitment be undone, like, like Rabbi Yochanan says, or can it not? Okay, let's see this in the backdrop of other contexts. Rabbi Yochanan, again, says that you can retract verbal. So he says to Rish Lakish, we have a, a mission in Truma, on Paragimel of Trumos, that, says, that seems to indicate that you can't take back your words, as follows. Says the Mishnah in Truma. Eswe Rabbi Yochanan Shlakish, Bitel. Okay, so what happened was like this. The case is, it's trumos, right? So what happened here is an owner of certain crop, he appoints a shliach to, to take off truma for him. And then he verbally undoes that, okay? So, says the Gemara, im achilotarm bitel, ain't trumos or truma. As Rashi explains, omer l'shluchot shevet trum. Here's the case, right? Rashi has to explain it because the Gemara doesn't really say it. A person says to Shliach, go be Torah for me, Chazor bitlo, Miliyos Shlucha, O Befanov, or Shalobefanov. Whether in front of him or not in front of him, if he had not yet taken off the Truma, the verbal retraction works. Ain't Truma so Truma. That seems to show, like Rabbi Yochanan, that he made a verbal, right, uh, appointment of a Shliach, and then verbally took, took it back, and the Truma of the Shliach doesn't work. Ba'ahacha, the Dibur v'Diburhu. And see, like, this is like Rabbi Yochanan, that he appointed the shliach with Dibor, he retracted him with Dibor, and he was able to retract him. Because he Dibor, Mavatel Dibor, it looks like Yochanan, says the Gemara, shiny sias maos le'edisha. Yeah, okay, that might work for Truma. But giving money to a woman, the chimaisa damu, that's not just a verbal commitment. That's a verbal and a physical commitment. Because after all, you're also handing over money. Velo asi Dibor, Mavatel Maisa. Right? So Rishlakish would say, yeah, 
the, the Dibur can be Mevatel, maybe only Dibur, but it can't be Mevatel, Dibur, and an action. And it's for that reason that the woman can no longer retract, says Reish Lakish. Okay. So that is first challenge. Now, second challenge. This is from Gittin. We learned this on Daf Lamed Beis. A person sends a get to his wife and he reaches the shliach before the get is delivered. Or he sends the shliach to chase him down. He's invited to get. So again, he's invited to get before it gets to the woman. He's a battle. Right? We already learned that Mishnah and Gittin, that the that get can be retracted. Ah, says the Gemara, there seems to be an action here, right? After all, the person gave, right? The Baal gave a get to Shaliach. So that's his action. And that's like giving uh, money. And yet, you see, you can retract it with a verbal retraction. Does that sound like Rabbi Yochanan? That you can retract? The Ketani Harez a battle. Because after all, we see that you can be battle that way. Says the Gemara, Hasam Nami, Kol Kamad Lomatagita Liyadi, Dibur Vadibur, who are fascinating idea. That conceptually, there is no Misa. This is what I mean by Misa and Pa'ula. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Giving a woman uh, money and saying, Hareas Mikudeshis, there's some uh, halachic significance to that. That's how it works. But giving a shaliach a get, maybe the get has no halachic significance until it reaches her hand. Because that's a different dynamic, right? We know already in Gittin, Venusan Biyada, right? This is not her shaliach that you're giving it to, it's your own shaliach. So there has to be some acquisition on her end. For this to be anything more than just a pu'ula. For this to be a real halachic maisa, there needs to be some halachic action which did not take place yet. That's a fascinating little parsing that we're doing here, Lundish, okay? The kol damad lamata gita liyada, right? And the, and the Gemara says straight out, black and white. Kol kamad lamata gita liyada, until it reaches her hand or the hand of her shliach, we'll say, dibu v'dibruhu, right? It's just words, right? It's not any action associated with the word, no maisa associated with the word. Until it reaches her, and it is for that reason that's only dibur dibur. Okay, so now Reish Lakish was able to answer that our case is different, right? In other words, those two cases that Reuven brought, yeah, they could be retracted, but there's no mice associated. Our case is a mice of Arias Mukadesh with giving over the money associated. So now Reish Lakish is going to turn back on Reuven. Yochanan. Let me show you how you can retract it from the following Mishnah in Kalim, the twenty-fifth chapter of Kalim. Did you know that there were twenty-five chapters in Kalim, Matt? That what's going on here? We learned this in Shabbos also. In order to be Mikabal Tuma, a Kli has to be a Kli. It has to be a complete Kli with some sort of function. So let's say you're a craftsman and you're making a Kli. So, you know, when it is a certain state, it's good enough for an ashtray. When it's another state, it's good enough for a pitcher. Well, at what point does it become a Kabal Tuma? That has a Machshava aspect to it, right? It depends on the craftsman. He could st- be start making a pitcher. And all of a sudden, it's halfway, and he said, you know what? This would make a great ashtray. Stop in the middle of production, and now he has the kavana to make it an ashtray. Well, it works as an ashtray. has a kli kibul. Now it's officially mekabal tumah. Based on what, Barry? Based on the machshava. Oh, says the Gemara. Kol hakeim yordin l'day tumasun machshava. That means that by machshava, he made it mekabal tumah. Ve'ein olin l'day tumasun el bishinu maisa. But the only way you can undo that kibul tumah is by shinu maisa, which is to say you got to break it somehow. You can't just change your mind and say, you know what, it's no longer an ashtray, it's a pitcher. That's not going to make it not makabal tumah. Oh, wow. So now, says Reish Lakish, a following inference. Yeah, if you break the kli, then it doesn't matter whether you, you made it a full pitcher or whether you decide it's good enough as an ashtray. If you break it, that works. However, machshava, ain't motzi alom, yad maisa, alom, machshava. But machshava alone will not work. 
not from Meiser or Machshava, which is to say, once you had a Machshava, you can't undo it with another Machshava in the case of Kalim, right? You can't have a Machshava that's an ashtray. Once you've done that, it can't ever be undone with a Machshava that, you know what, I changed my mind, I want it to be a pitcher. Says the Gemara, Bish lemem yad mafka. I can understand that if you made an actual picture, you can't undo it with machshava. <laughs> because your machshava, which is equivalent to dibur in this context because it has no actual physical action with it, right, is never going to be mevatal maisa. Elam yad machshava However, wouldn't you think that if all you did was think that it should be an ashtray and then change your mind and say that it should be a pitcher, that it would work? But yet we learned that it does not work. Kamash Malan, that what? That once you commit with machshava, you cannot undo it. That's what it looks like, right, in that Mishnah in Caleb. So that seems to support Rish Lakish, that you cannot change your mind. Says Rabbi Yochanan, no, shayin machshava de tumma, dummy. No, Rabbi Yochanan explains, no, when it comes to tumma, that's a special gzer sakasav. That machshava is always considered like a maisa. Look at the first narrow line in Rashi. The Rachmana cry maisa. The Torah calls it a maisa. The chsiv ki yitain, behind the beadaim. We saw this in Shabbos and Brachos, I believe. Right? What's the Pasuk say? That even though it's a machshava, we consider it like a maisa. When it comes specifically to Tumi, you have to look at the Pasuk in Vayikri Aleph. It says, That's how you read it. You read it, Yutan. If water, how does something become muksher by liquids to be makabal Tuma? Right? If water is on it. So remember we saw this, Barry? If the water is on it, what do you say about dew? Dew is not water that you spritzed on it. Right? You can wash the grapes and then they're going to be makabal Tuma. Right? Uh, susceptible, I should say, to be makabal Tuma. Right? But what if you find the morning dew on the grapes, moistening them completely? So that was the Gemara. That was the Mishnah. So we said, what? It depends whether nichale or no nichale, which is to say, with respect to Tuma, specifically the way the Pasuk is written and the way the Pasuk is read, it teaches you that what happens to it, whether it's considered makabal Tuma or not, depends on your machshava, and that machshava is considered like Misa. How so? As follows. This was all learned from a papa. Their papa Rame, he taught us the following. Siv ki tain. It's written ki tain, like as if you physically put water on it. Ukrinan ki yutan. And yet I read the Pasuk the way we read it in Shul. The Barry's Balkara, he knows. Yutan means that it was done to it. Not actively, but right, it happened to it. So ha ketzad, ki yutan dumi, how do you, so how do you reconcile the Kri and the Ksiv? Ki yutan dumi ki tain. That yutan is like yitain. Ma yitain de nichale, just like when you physically, proactively place it, right? It's considered, it's in your obvious diet to do it. Af yutan de nichale. So too, when it's yutan, when it happens on its own, like in the case of, let's say, the morning dew, it has to be, right, with the nichale. It's considered, right, as long as you have the machshava that it's nichale, as long as you consider it that you wanted it to be, so then it's as if you physically placed it there. So we know that machshava, with regards to tumah, with regards to hechshur, that we learned from our papa, actually is considered Misa, and therefore that case is of Tumah is an outlier. So that would be true also with Kalim. If you have a certain Das, and that Das creates this ashtray into being something to be Mikabal Tumah, that can't be undone. But that's Xer Sakasim. You can't bring that as a Rai against Rabbi Yochanan, because that's a special case. Okay. Now we have Ayin Tess, that the Rav Zrid, Masli Hashem Rav Zrid taught the same discussion with Yochanan Rish Lakish from a Mishnah Ayin Tess, right? And so this is an alternate version, 
There's going to be a lot of cut and paste here in this alternate version to teach you the same case. But here it's a bigger Kiddush. Because here, the woman that authorized her Shlucha to be Mekadish her, and she went and accepted her own Kiddush from another man. So now, this we're going to learn an iron test, but for now, we're going to pick up with this tomorrow, Bezat Hashem, and cut and paste this discussion and see which is a bigger Kiddush with Reish Lakish and Rabbi Yochanan and conclude, we'll leave it as a cliffhanger, who we paskin like.